Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show with your host, Jason Brown, where each week Jason teaches you how to get yourself and your clients brutally strong and, of course, well conditioned. What's up, guys? Jason here. Welcome back to the Strong AF and Well Conditioned Podcast. This is episode number three. And because we talked so much about how to improve strength training through conditioning and maximize recovery in our last episode, I wanted to delve into how to maximize recovery through some other methods and measures that I found to be useful over the years. Now, as I mentioned in the last podcast, using aerobic work to build recovery, build work capacity, and just have a whole slew of benefits and have that carry over to other aspects of your fitness is certainly part of the equation. Now, I know that we talked quite a bit about that, but just to reiterate some of the things that I did talk about in that episode, using things like the cardiac output method is really gonna be kind of a game changer if you're not using some low intensity cyclical work in your programming currently. How you do that is you implement 30 to 40 minutes of steady state work using cyclical pieces, a Stairmaster, a rower, an air bike. You can even do some light jogging if you're a decent jogger and even a light sled pull. And there's some other things that you can use and you can check out some of my social media posts. I've talked about this quite a bit, but that's something that you want to implement right away if you're not already doing so. Now, there's a lot of other things that I found to be useful over the years and recovery is kind of like the Bruce Lee saying, accept what's useful, reject what's useless. So I found a lot of things to be useless, but I found some things to be very useful. And even some of the things I found to be very useful, I've noticed a pretty profound difference right away. So first things first, I think the best way that we can improve recovery is listen to our body. I think a lot of people don't listen. They think that I even have clients that that say, hey, I missed a couple training sessions. I want to make up all the training sessions I missed. And on top of doing that, I want to go right into the current training of the day. Now, usually that means they'll have to train on off days uh, to make up some of the training they've missed. I almost always recommend that they don't do that. I usually tell them to pick up where they left off on the current day and don't worry about they, what they missed. It's not going to make a difference in the scheme of things. And it could put them in a position where they could be overtrained. And that's something we can easily avoid by simply following the schedule and not trying to do more. A lot of people think, well, if I if I do more, then I'm going to get better results. But we know that the human body is not designed that way. So my first point would be to listen to your body. If you're not feeling it, then take it easy. Downregulate your intensity. Maybe uh, sub in a cardiac output style session if stress levels are at record highs. This is something I have trouble doing myself. I love staying on my schedule and, and having a routine. And I hate deviating from that schedule, even if I do feel that stress levels are higher, but I would highly recommend that you do so. And even if you do decide you're, to do your regular scheduled training session, make sure that you're not pushing yourself as hard as you normally would. If you have a five rep max scheduled for a trap bar deadlift, you might want to just do a heavy five or even a moderate five on that day, rather than pushing the envelope and trying to hit a new personal record. That's not something that uh, is going to lend itself to your overall longevity. So this is probably the first thing that I would recommend that you do is just simply listen to your body. It sounds very simple, but it's something that not enough people do. Now, some other things that I found to be very beneficial over the years is doing uh, some type of post-workout cooldown. Now, cooldowns are that thing that I find more times than not people skip, and mainly because they've got the training done 
and they want to get on with their day. They want to get on to whatever they have next scheduled. This is something I actually, uh, I'm on my wife about doing because she gets done with her workout and it's like, okay, what do, I, what do I have to do? What is the mom chores I have to do for the day? I need to get on with my day and, and get into things. And I just don't have time to do these recovery drills. But if you can spend five minutes after your workout, you can have a really big return on investment. We're not talking a lot of time. We're not talking a lot of work. Simply doing some easy foam rolling, non-painful foam rolling that is, doing some easy static stretching and a breathing drill is something that can start the recovery process before you leave the gym. So drive the parasympathetic nervous system, which is re responsible for recovery and put you in a place to not still be in fight or flight upon leaving the gym. This is too easy to do. So my things that I recommend to the people I work with, we start off by doing some easy foam rolling of big muscle groups. Think of muscle groups like your lats, your hamstrings, your glutes, your quadriceps. Spend 20, 30 seconds per spot, big passes. This is where we're doing global, so six to 12 inch passes, and call it a day, okay? Hit all of those areas. Again, it doesn't need to be anything more than that. You don't need to spend five minutes foam rolling. You can do 20 to 30 seconds per position and be on to the next thing. Now, I will stress that when you are doing foam rolling, it has to be non-painful. If it's painful, you're going to drive the sympathetic nervous system, which is our fight or flight response. And this is the exact opposite of what we want. So it has to be non-painful. So if you need to remove pressure from the foam roller, then make sure that you do so, but it should be relaxing. There should be no pain at all. All right. So that's something that, you know, foam rolling might not be the right fit for everyone. So just make sure that if you feel like it's it's hurting you and you're wincing, probably not going to put you in the position that we want to be in. And I would probably urge you to either take pressure off or try something else. Now, that's step one. Step two would be doing some static stretching. Okay, and this is the only time I recommend doing static stretching is after we are done training. Um, you Again, you can work on stretching the same key areas, big muscle groups, hamstrings, quadriceps, hip flexors. It, again, it doesn't have to be overly complex. I love the world's greatest stretch. I mean, we're essentially hitting all of those areas I and mean, even adding in some thoracic rotation. A few minutes here and then move on to your breathing drill, parasympathetic breathing. Essentially, we are doing 10 nasal breaths with about a three to five second inhale and a three to five second exhale in a supine position and call it a day. Easy stuff. Again, five minutes is going to make a big difference. Now, if you're not doing this already, this is one of those things that I would start including. Even if you can only get it in three times a week, start with that, okay? Doing a little bit is better than doing no recovery drills after you're done training. So that was would be the would be the second thing in addition to using some low intensity aerobic work. Another thing I found to be incredibly useful, and you probably see me post about it a little bit, is doing cold water immersion. This is something I've noticed a difference with right away, almost instant. And I think I probably can count on my hand how many things I've noticed that instantly worked. This is one of them. Now, why does it work? Well, there's a lot of things that are happening and there's a lot of people that are much smarter than me that are researching this stuff and putting out some great information on it. And you can find that stuff on social media. Actually, there's two accounts I'm thinking of, but I can't remember their names. So I'll have to get back to you on that. But there is some some information out there on this. Now, what I've found to be useful with this and what I think is making the difference for myself is that it's a form of forced meditation. I've never been one to be able to sit still and meditate and really enjoy the meditation process. I know some people swear by it. I've never been one that's been able to get into it. I think for me, putting myself in a cold bath outside forces me to be alone with myself. It forces me to think about my breathing and think about 
you know, just kind of down-regulating my stress and, and putting myself into a position where, again, I'm kind of alone with my thoughts. I have the advantage of having a cold pool that I purchased on Amazon for 65 bucks, super inexpensive. I put it on my patio and I'm out there essentially looking at the woods. So my backdrop is very serene. It makes me feel relaxed and I really enjoy doing it. Now, the only caveat and the only real issue that I have is that it's really cold here and my ice tub is freezing. So I have to drain it out quite frequently and then refill it up because if the water is below 40 degrees, I find it's just not tolerable. I've tried it in the 30s. I wouldn't recommend that. If you are just getting started with doing cold water immersion, do not attempt getting in a cold tub that is in the 30s. You will be, not only will you be shocked, but you probably won't do it again because it'll be just too painful. I find the optimal temperature to be in the mid to high 40s. I know that you, you could probably get away with, with even higher in the 50s will probably work just fine. For me personally, I like 45 to 48. That's kind of where I usually sit when I when I get into that and I have to refill it with you know my garden hose. So that has worked really well for me. I find it to be very tol tolerable. I find it to be very relaxing. It forces me to, to be alone with myself and focus on my breathing. I do nasal breathing the whole time, the same way I do when I'm doing parasympathetic breathing post-training. And this has been just an incredible stress relief. Now, if you're probably wondering, oh, how much should I do it? How often? How long? Right now, it varies for me. I would personally do it every day if I could and my tub wasn't freezing. But you know what I found is that if I can get in three to four sessions a week, five minutes per session, then I'm in pretty good shape and I, I get the benefits of it in terms of just downregulating stress. But it, again, it's been getting more challenging. It's been in the single digits here for the last few weeks. So it's just been really tough to get it in. As soon as summer rolls around, I will definitely be doing it daily. I will likely have to put ice in it at that point because it'll probably be creeping up in temperature. But personally, like I said, I would start off with, if you can do a few sessions, two to three sessions a week of five minutes in the high 40s, low 50s would be a good place to start. And again, I wouldn't recommend starting any lower than that because it will be really, really brutal and you'll likely not want to do it again. All right. So that would be something that I would certainly look into. But I think at the end of the day, if you want to maximize recovery, if you can start doing some low intensity aerobic work one to two times a week, if you can implement a cool down after your training, which is going to consist of three things, global foam rolling, some type of static stretching, and then a breathing drill, those two things alone as well as listening to your body and just going, being receptive to the signs, uh, the signals that your body sends you in terms of when you need to downregulate, you know, your intensity and maybe when you need to back off and not push so hard. Those three things alone will have a significant effect on your ability to recover between sessions and obviously long term the gains that you make. And now the other piece of it is your longevity. You know, a lot of the guys I work with are 35 plus like myself and we're not trying to set any records anymore. We're trying to stay in this game. We're trying to stay strong and look good. And, you know, my days of trying to hit PRs on my back squat or front squat are really behind me. Now, it's still nice to move weight. I, I still, from time to time, will test and see kind of where I'm at. But overall, you know, I can still feel strong and still be able to do everything I need to do and obviously look good. And that's kind of overrides everything else. That overrides my need to hit a maximal load on a deadlift or a squat. So those are things that I'm I'm constantly thinking about is that my training needs to lend itself to my quality of life outside the gym. Some other things that you can get down to kind of more nuances of programming is make sure that you're separating your high intensity training sessions. If you're doing 
CrossFit, CrossFit tends to do high intensity every day. I don't know many, I don't know many services or many programs that don't do a high threshold workout on a day-to-day -day basis. Unfortunately, those guys are just not understanding that the body does not work that way. You will eventually overtrain. It's not a matter of, of if, it's a matter of when. So you need to separate your high threshold work by at least 72 hours. If you're doing a max effort lift on Monday, then you know you shouldn't be doing another heavy lift maximally for the lower upper body until Thursday or Friday. You know, if you're doing anaerobic intervals on the air bike on Monday, then you should be separating that stuff and not doing it again until Thursday. So again, very simple. You shouldn't be training maximally on a day-to-day -day basis. There should be some recovery built into your programming. You know, give you a very straightforward example. Let's just say we did anaerobic work. Maybe it's a, maybe you're a CrossFit athlete and you're doing, you know, five minute AMRAPs on Monday and it's using global patterns and it's very high intensity and you're, you know, going to be sore for the next few days. Your next day should be a lower lower intensity aerobic style session. Now it doesn't have to be just cyclical work. It could be a variety of things, but your heart rate should be in a lower range. Um, and you certainly shouldn't be in a position where, you know, that session is going to potentially take away from upcoming sessions. It should lend itself to the upcoming sessions. So that is one strategy you can use. Another strategy is, you know, you can start using more single joint exercises. That should really be a mainstay in your programming. If you want to build your weak links and build lean tissue, using single joint exercise is a great way to do it. And it's very low demand. It's not going to be something that is going to have a, a very high cost on the central nervous system. So those are some, some pretty straightforward things that you can do. And, you know, as far as my goals for this episode, I really just want to make it as straightforward where you can just take action. I love things that people can take action on and start implementing right away and see an effect right away. So if you go about just implementing, let's say those three things, cardiac output style work, which I have a variety of articles on my site, you can look in depth how to program that stuff. If you, if you have questions on that, that would be number one, I would implement at least one to two sessions a week. Number two, I would use a cool down. Now, if you're not doing any, try to get two to three cool downs a week. Now, if you're doing cool downs already, great, make sure it happens after every single training session. And that will be a great way to start facilitating the recovery process before you actually leave the gym. And then, you know, a third thing, and this is kind of just overall advice would be just listening to your body. You don't need to push the envelope every single day. I use the analogy a lot that the gum, the, the gumball, the body is not a gumball machine. You don't just keep putting quarters in and keep getting gumballs out. Eventually you're going to run out of gumballs. So you want to keep that machine full. We do that by interspersing low intensity training within our program design within a weekly basis. And then the bonus would be attempting to do some cold water immersion and a little bit goes a long way two to three sessions a week, 48 to 55 degrees for your water temperature. I started off doing this and it was in the 50s. I bought a, um, a, a temperature thermometer on Amazon. I started measuring it. I think I was like 51 degrees the first time I did it. And it was really, really cold. I actually was kind of shocked even by 51. Over time, like anything, I built some tolerance. I actually did it last night and it was 41 degrees. That was actually pretty brutal. I, I didn't enjoy that as much as I do it being in the you know 45 to 48 degree range where I can really kind of zero in on my thoughts and, and, and just kind of being mindful of myself, being alone with myself. So that would be a bonus if you can start including that. A substitute for cold water immersion and something I have a lot of my guys do is just a cold shower, a five minute cold shower three times a week. You can do it at the beginning of your shower if you don't want to be freezing cold after, but it goes a long way just mentally 
to help you feel better and, and to start facilitating the recovery process. So that's it for today, guys. Check out the full article on my site, How to Maximize Recovery. A lot of great info there. Make sure you're checking out all of my conditioning articles. There's a, just a lot of information there on how to improve your conditioning. And as we talked about in our last episode, if you're not thinking about improving conditioning, then you're missing the boat. There's a lot to improve there. There's a lot that will help carry over to your longevity as well as making the gains that you wanna make, but most importantly, improving your quality of life. This was another episode of Strong AF X Well Conditioned Show. Tune in every Wednesday for new episodes. And be sure to subscribe on all podcast platforms. 